0: And then I realized when we got kids uh, um, that we have responsibility over over the planet that we land from future generations. And if you want to give back the planet in a better shape than you got it, then you have to make the world a nicer place. And I think a company is the perfect uh, um, tool to make the world a nicer place.
1: Welcome to the Young Entrepreneurs podcast by the Philips Innovation Award. In this inspiring podcast, we will talk about making a real impact in society as an entrepreneur. Today we have two special guests. First of all, Henk-Jan Beltman, CEO of Tony Chocoloni, who tries to make chocolate 100% slave-free. And we have Ru van der Kamp, founder of the startup Inview Bracelet, who tries to combat sexual harassment. And of course, our
2: co-host Simon van Teutem. Thank you very much, Annick. I'm uh, incredibly pleased to be here today with our very two uh, special guests tonight. Uh, As usual, we like to introduce them a bit to the audience first, and we have a little format for that. Uh, So maybe let's start with Henk Jan, who studied uh, business administration in Groningen, uh, who's worked for seven years for uh, Heineken, how Dutch of him. And since 2010, he is the CEO um, or chief chocolate officer, if you will, of Tony Cocoloni. I am, uh, well, welcome Henk Jan, first of all. Thank you, thank you. I'm going to throw some yes or no statements at you, on on which you can very briefly comment. Um, So let's just kick off. Um, I have always dreamed of leading a company with a social philosophy. Yes or no? No. No. Interesting. I believe that the chocolate industry will be slave-free within 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Well, that's uh, optimistic, luckily. And lastly, I believe in entrepreneurship. Yes. Okay. Well... We have a bit of an image of him now, but our other guest, Roel van der Kamp, hasn't said anything yet. So, welcome, Roel. Uh, thank you. Very pleased to have you here. Uh, you studied in- innovation at Erasmus University, o- already a bit more entrepreneurial than uh, Hank Jan started, maybe, with uh, business administration. You founded the startup Invy in 2015, and you organized the VIA in, uh, in 2012, which motivated you to participate in it later. Um, in 2015, with the Tech. Which was the predecessor, if you will, of the uh, of the Infi- Envy bracelet. Few yes or no uh, statements for you. Yep. To kick off, uh, do you believe that the Envy bracelet could prevent all sexual violence one day if everyone would wear one?
3: No, because it's not a silver bullet.
2: It's not a, okay. Interesting. So, what do you mean by that?
3: Well, it's the, the issue of sexual violence is far too complex to solve it with only one product.
2: Okay, so more
3: products are needed. Not only products, you have to change mindsets.
2: Okay, well, we'll get to that later, I hope. Um, secondly, also quite interestingly, the, the topic of gender. Is the V bracelet only useful for women, you think? Uh, no, men also wear it okay and you already have got some male customers then as well
3: uh yeah absolutely and you can either wear it for the for the pre- protection part but also for making a statement
2: yeah excellent and lastly would you rather make a social impact than a profit um uh,
3: social impact but i think the new one doesn't exclude the other they dovetail till both very nicely
2: yeah, okay, perfect. A very nuanced and political uh, political answer. <laughs> uh, Annick, what are we going to talk about? What do we, where do we want to start?
1: Well, we're going to start with a little bit of the uh, beginning. Where did Tony Schokoloni come from? And also, in you praise that. After that, we will talk about, I think, making a real impact. And also, what part of the profits play come into play uh, in making that impact.
2: Okay, brilliant. So maybe let's start with Hank Jan and first zoom in on the company before zooming in on the individual, maybe. Yeah. Um, so, just for the audience, we, we spoke about slave free chocolate very briefly before. How did the story of Tony Giacolone aiming to make 100% slave free chocolate come about in the first place? Could you maybe uh, talk us through that story very briefly?
0: Well, the Keuringsdienst voor Waarden is a TV show in Holland. It's uh, Food and is, uh, is the name internationally. Um, and Teun van der Keuken is one of the uh, uh, co-hosts there. And um, uh, he presented an, uh, an item about um, illegal labour in cocoa. And if you realize that uh, back then 1.3 million children were working in cocoa every day, um, uh, illegally uh, in a way uh, uh, for us to enjoy chocolate. That, that doesn't make any sense, right? And if you realize that 70% of all the cocoa worldwide produced comes from Western Africa, that's the exact area where the, these issues uh, uh, occur, knowing that you shouldn't be eating chocolate anymore. And if you want to eat chocolate, that doesn't do anything for your body. And you have to go to a gym to actually train off the calories that you're eating. Um, so you, you have to have a product that you want to enjoy.
2: And how did that lead to the establishment of, uh, of Tony's? Well, back
0: in 2001, uh, uh, the Harkin-Engel protocol was signed in the U.S. State Senate. And the U.S. State Senate was broadly on TV uh, yesterday night with uh, the... With the riots. Unbelievable riots. But... Back then, uh, uh, Senator Harkin and Senator Engel came together and said you as in chocolate industry, only 10 players, you have to take your responsibility and solve the issue of illegal labor within the value chain of cocoa within 10 years. And they all signed. And in 2004, uh, Teun wanted to know how far are, are they? And he realized that there's actually nothing to be done. And uh, nothing had to be, uh, uh, was already done. Um, So uh, uh, he started his own chocolate brand and he said it had to be red because it's alarming. It's Tony's, chocolate Lonely is the lonely battle of turn against the chocolate industry to change it from the inside out. And it was just a a way to, to... make everybody uh, aware of the fact that we have to change and take responsibility over the poor ones in our society.
2: Yeah, so it was partly a narrative and partly a story and partly uh, the foundation of a company, really. Um, but, yeah, let's move the discussion away a little bit from Tony's and, and talk about you as an individual as well. Because when Tony was starting his lonely mission, you were still working for Heineken, I, I think, in, in 2003, to 2004. Yeah. Um, quite a large corporate. And a few moments ago, you already mentioned that you did not always have the dream of leading a company with a social philosophy. Where did that kick in? Where did you start thinking, okay, I have some talents that I can use and I should... Uh, commit my life or at at least part of my career and my time and energy to improving something or doing something slightly more idealistic if you will than working for Heineken
0: yeah um, I think to be completely honest I'm an entrepreneur and I like to make things that are not there and Uh, Within Heineken I thought I was an intrapreneur, um, but an intrapreneur is really difficult because you get uh, not the space that you actually want. So I started looking outside of Heineken and um, I realized that uh, there is room for innovation in the supermarket. So I looked at various products and one of the products that I stumbled into was chocolate. And I I like to be a marketeer and build a brand that people really care about. Um, so, instead of toilet paper, uh, chocolate has a completely different feeling around it. It's, so- it's something that you buy, it's not on your shopping list, but you always know what's going on in, ch- in chocolate. Um, so, I wanted to do something in chocolate, and uh, I started the company there. Um, I didn't realize that Tony's would ever be a big company. Um, uh, it was not my plan to make it a big company. It, it was not my plan to make the world a nicer place. It was just playing out my strength. And then I realized when we got kids uh, um, that we have a responsibility over over the planet that we lend from future generations. And if you want to give back the planet in a better shape than you got it, then you have to make the world a nicer place. And I think a company is the perfect uh, um, tool to make the world a nicer place.
2: Yeah. I think that's a very inspiring uh, inspiring story but you, you briefly mentioned the word intrapreneur yeah. and I must say that I'm not uh, totally familiar with the term it, but I, I would guess that it means that from within a big corporate you try to be innovative and entrepreneurial yeah. is that the correct interpretation? Absolutely Okay yeah. that's very interesting um, because Roel, maybe it's a good moment to move over to you because you started indeed in a way immediately as an entrepreneur six years ago when you participated in the Philips Innovation award and you won the finals uh with a pearl tact a forerunner of the envy bracelet how did the idea of envy come alive and when did you start thinking because many people especially in rotterdam think i'm just going to work for a big corporate for my first years because even if i want to be an entrepreneur later in life this is the perfect uh way to lay a foundation for that future career what convinced you to just kickstart it and go for it uh, back then
3: yeah um, and it was quite um, a ramp up to come to that moment because um, after my graduation, I didn't know what to do with my life. Uh, you know, I did my master's in innovation. Most of my friends uh, went on into the corporate world. Uh, I had my experience with uh, organizing the Philips Innovation Awards. And after that, I, I liked to do it. So I did the Accenture Innovation Awards as an intern as well. Uh, so, there I saw a bit of the corporate life uh, as a consulting business. I also found out that it wasn't really my cup of tea. But getting in touch with these uh, awards, with the entrepreneurs, that was far more exciting to me because I saw some sort of a spark in their eyes. Uh, they stand for something. Uh, they can talk in, in a very enthusiastic fashion. And um, I thought, well, that that's, seems to be like a much more interesting life to, pers- to pursue. And after uh, doing so, I, I, went, I ended up actually in uh, the Yes Delft incubator, doing some additional courses on, uh, on entrepreneurship, met like minded people. And at the time, uh, all kinds of ideas popped into mind, and I just wrote them down on a long list. And in 2013, I read a newspaper and a research about sexual violence and it was just uh, mind-blowing. I couldn't grasp the the, the stats about that uh, yeah that, that uh, issue. It stated that one in 20 women in uh, Europe experience a rape in their lives and yeah, I think that's uh, I think we all agree that's unacceptable. Um, I uh, we do, by the way. Yeah. 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 We do agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. shocking <laughs> statistic. Happy to hear that you're a <laughs> CEO nodding. Um, basically, I thought about, okay, if you find yourself in such a uh, situation and you have no other options left uh, to get yourself into safety, what can you do? Uh, and then I w- started looking at uh, Mother Nature and so I saw some powerful examples in nature where animals use odor eh, or a very bad smell to ward off predators. And I thought, well, that concept might be very powerful. And that was the basis for the Infi bracelet.
2: Incredibly interesting, I think, that you uh, brought an idea from the kingdom of animals into human nature or into our uh, ways of socializing yeah. or to, to prevent these horrendous uh, events from uh, from happening. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm quite curious, Anik Looking at you, you've seen the same spark, I reckon, over the past few months while yes. organizing the Philips Innovation Awards. And uh, you may also think, okay, this is this is something that appeals to me slightly more than the uh. stereotype of the big corporate world, whether it's banking or consulting or just uh, corporate like Heineken. Um, it's nice though the corporate world is nice it's very nice yeah okay we'll get to that in a minute maybe (laughs) Um, but would you have the full confidence to give something entrepreneurial a go at this age um, or or not
1: well I also mentioned in the first podcast that like I don't feel like I'm a real entrepreneur or I I don't think it's my cup of tea maybe after the Philips Innovation Award I will change my mind okay Uh, (laughs) but um, yeah to get back to that I don't think actually well Yeah, they have that spark and they have that mindset and they're like really inspiring and they have like their idea. And I think if you really think about what you really want to do in life and making an impact, I think everyone could have some good idea and set your full go to it. But would I have the confidence right now? Yeah, well, maybe. But also because I have spoken to a lot of entrepreneurs and actually they all say, just start doing it. Just give it your go and you will see whatever. You will make mistakes. You will have the ups and downs. But in the end it will be all fine and it's just a big lesson.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think you can probably sympathize with uh, Anik's point of view, but I'm curious, was was there a distinct moment where you realized, okay, this is what I'm going to end up doing or I am actually going to give it my full go or was it more of a gradual process?
3: Uh, Yeah, it's absolutely, for me, it was a gradual process. Um, Like, it's true what most entrepreneurs say, just start doing. But uh, for me, start doing it was basically working at a a different startup for four days a week with a more experienced entrepreneur, take a look in the kitchen, uh, let's say. And then from there on went one day working on my project, the Invi bracelet or PearlTech at the time and uh, from there I built a team we were working one day a week on the university in Delft did some prototyping but I also saw that yeah one day a week you will never get a product to the market so um, I kept it also a bit of a secret so most of my friends didn't know about what I was doing and then suddenly uh, I had this business plan ready and <laughs> uh, applied for the Philips Innovation Awards and I was standing on the stage and there yeah that's the real moment where you have to show yourself which is scary Um, but when you got the response from the jury and the audience uh, a very positive response because we both won won both the awards yeah that's a tremendous energy boost for and confidence boost for yourself but also for the rest of the team and from that moment uh, I had the guts to say uh, okay I go all the way. And so it's uh, partly the adrenaline
2: that fuels the long ride that comes after winning such an, an, an award maybe. It's
3: n- not only adrenaline, it's also uh, testing your ID and also uh, that yeah, you worked on a business plan. And if, if a jury tells you, Frans van Houten, the, the chairman of Philips tells you, okay, this is solid. And I think you should go for it. That, uh, yeah, that's a great
2: thing. Yeah, <laughs> and Hank Young, you, but, you said earlier that you are a real entrepreneur as well. Yeah, yeah but
0: uh, I think it's it's confidence.
2: Yeah. If you write your own plan, you have the feeling, yeah, there's
0: probably somebody else better who can do it better or who's putting in more effort or has more luck or whatever. Um, but it's all within yourself. If you if you fundamentally believe, I have to try this. And my mom uh, raised me and she said, sorrow, no, uh, how do you call it? spijt, duurt maar even. Regret. Yeah. No, dus angst duurt maar even, spijt je hele leven. Regret takes a lifetime and, and fear only a short while. Yeah. And, and you're afraid to do it um, and that that fear stops you from doing it uh, while the long-term uh, effect of not doing it is are so much bigger than actually uh, uh, go flatter in your face so I would say to everybody try it yeah absolutely go for it
2: and you very briefly uh, expressed some positive feelings about your time at Heineken yeah um, I'm obviously curious to, to hear some more elaboration on that. Like, what did you learn from that that helped you later in your entrepreneurial life? But before that, I'd also like to ask the question, looking back, would you have taken the, the step to to, to run an, a business earlier than you did uh, than you actually did?
0: Ooh, uh, I had an awful lot of fun at Heineken. I learned a lot, seen a lot, uh, built an awful lot of confidence by actually saying, well, if we can do it, at this company, at this level, then I can do it at a sim- similar level uh, for myself. Um, and playing in a field of uh, a, a huge big corporates, you have the feeling that, who am I as a, as a lone star to make it happen? But it's definitely possible. And if you, if you look at Ben & Jerry's, or you look at Innocent Rings, or you look at, uh, at Tony's, those are all companies that were absolutely capable of, of, of turning a niche into a, a, a rather uh, uh, large playing field.
2: Yeah, and that is something that I want to zoom in a bit further to because we know a bit more about your backgrounds now, but I want to discuss this this issue of social impact that both of you uh, aim to be making and I think are very much succeeding to make uh, because Tony's has sometimes said not to be a chocolate company that makes impact, but an impact company that makes chocolate, if yeah. you will. Um, what do you do to grow from the niche, from this, the startup that, that, that you were earlier that wants to make an impact to an actually big company that uh, can realize this at a large scale? Um, I think
0: you have a responsibility, and that responsibility is bring the world one step forward. And if everybody pulls the, that one step towards themselves and say, well, I, I'm personally committed to make, make the world one step nicer, uh, and then we together we can make the world an awful lot li- nicer. And... Um, So working at Tony's uh, uh, and having the feel, uh, um, how can we as this tiny company make impact on the huge ones? And Anita Roddick, the founder of The Body Shop, she said, it's a completely different night if there's a mosquito in the room. And uh, let us be the mosquito that actually stings and bees and, uh, and zooms yep. at times that, that the big elephants want to sleep. And there are only eight huge uh, chocolate companies. So this tiny mosquito called Tony's um, uh, doesn't have to be really big to make an impact. As long as we can motivate the right uh, uh, and the big companies to take their responsibility seriously, then we're going to solve this issue. And. I fundamentally think, and this is really naive and really arrogant, but I fundamentally think that that together we can change chocolate, and we should.
2: Yeah, Mm. I think that's a great answer. I'm just curious uh, to see the the perspective that you've just provided is one where um, the main driver for doing business is... Um, raising the attention in these eight larger corporates yeah. uh, which is a very much a socially driven uh, mission if you will
0: yeah but I think every company should have a yeah. mission and every company should have a purpose and no absolutely and, and but I'm
2: curious to hear did that ever clash with commercial interest from the company no never never no. why but do you think that is because uh, um,
0: we get educated to make decisions with our head uh, but you should make decisions with your gut and with your heart. And if you make decisions with your gut and with your heart, you can uh, uh, build the foundation of that decision with your uh, brain. I don't believe in Excel uh, to be uh, uh, the the, the right business tool. I believe in uh, making impact or purpose or uh, uh, a mission or a vision, uh, that is the right uh, uh, way to start a a business. And then you can um, say, If we want to achieve that mission, then we have to sell this product, and in our case, that's chocolate, and we have to make money just enough to actually keep the company going. Um, And that's how it works. And it's not the other way around. And the most companies that have started over the last 50 years, they start with money because it's so awfully important to become rich, but it's not important to become rich If you're in the elderly home in your rocking chair and you look back over your life and you say, well, I'm absolutely fucking rich, but I I, I didn't do anything that I loved. um, Then your life was was very uh, uh, limited. Um, And uh, you didn't spend time with your family or relatives enough. Then your life is not worth living. So if you're in the rocking chair, you have to be proud. Proud of the life that you lived. Yeah. And, and your pride is not in money. Your pride is absolutely in the purpose of the company and the purpose of your life and your family and your friends.
2: Yeah. Roel, are you on the same page there? Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah? Uh, yeah.
3: I want to be proud of something, uh, what I have created in life. And if that's only making money, I'm, I'm not proud of it.
2: Yeah. And now yeah. when you had that idea, and obviously there there was a lot of preparation before that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are loads of people, especially of our age, I think, uh, Anik, who have at some... And I we think but we're okay, all the same age, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the same age bracket. If yeah. well. but, um, how did you when, when you were really starting up and when you started having employees, maybe, and when the financial aspects started weighing in a bit more heavily? Did yep. you ever experience tension between your social impact mission and your financial aims, or were these always aligned? Um,
3: well. I always, uh, in the beginning, uh, flirted with uh, with investors. And uh, I saw that as something I needed to have an investor from the beginning. But for me, it was important to have an impact investor. And for some reason, I never found a perfect match. And going further with the business, uh, I looked for other investment opportunities. And with the case of uh, when you're having a social mission or when you're a social enterprise uh, it's easier for you to apply for grants or uh, other opportunities. Um, I also focus on launching customers and those are better funding uh, possibilities Um, and therefore I never had to work with an investor who was really uh, yeah.
1: But that's actually kind of weird because I read a lot of well uh, newspapers and they were saying a lot of stakeholders are willing to have or to support companies that really want to make an impact and you're Mm -hmm. saying okay the investors didn't want to back me but isn't that a little bit old-fashioned by well they're thinking in that way they really wanted to make a profit or
3: no i think there are really there are many uh nice impact investors um but at the time, I, yeah, I, I spent like 10% of my time on, on uh, working on investments. Uh, but the other 90% was about, yeah, I could get, always uh, grew the business uh, substantially that I never needed money. So at this point, I'm totally uh, independent from any investor. Mm-hmm. And then it's much easier to align your social values with, uh, yeah, with the things you are doing, with your business. Uh, activities and um, it's, it's also hard. So what I did with Invi, I bootstrapped everything, uh, all the unnecessary uh, activities, and purely focus on uh, the yeah the core business. And uh, by there, I try to grow organically.
2: Yeah, I think the point that Nick's making is very interesting because um, in a way, maybe the structure of a business, or especially the structure of the funding of a business at least a few decades ago, maybe that's changing now, but that's what I want to discuss, can limit the extent to which a company can achieve social impact. Because I think if you go to the uh, stock exchange, uh, let's say to the New York Stock Exchange or wherever, you are uh, dependent on uh, shareholders who at any point can say, you know what, you're no, no longer profit maximizing, uh, you're out as a CEO and we're going to find another CEO who's going to do that. Even though most companies or most really large companies are publicly traded. Does that mean that as um, as a fly, as you earlier said, uh, Hank John, um, you are confined, to uh, restricted, limited to being to being a fly if you want to keep making a social impact? Or do you maybe in the future also see publicly traded companies um, being, rather than a fly, being an elephant in the room uh, and, and, and still disrupting the status quo and making change?
0: No, I, I completely agree. Uh, um, if you want to start a business, then go and go for investment. Um, if your plan is good, then it's bankable. And if you have limited money, uh, then you have to make choices. And if you have to make choices, then your focus is always on the right point. And if you have too much money, and a lot of star- startups have too much money, then you spend it. And uh, at the end of the two years, nothing happened. And if you start uh, and you come from a source that at everything that you have, you need to think it through, whether it's financially a good call, makes your company really fit and if you start really fit then you can get really far and if you start in a way that there's enough money to get going and that seems to be ideal but it's not it's not if you want to run fast you have to be slim and you have to uh, accept the keep the focus and know what's going on i never invited uh, investors so at Tony's, I bought it. Um, I put a lease on my house. Uh, I worked my ass off to make uh, uh, the bank happy and focused on the mission of the company. Uh, so I, w- I wouldn't focus too much on, on the money and where the mon- money comes from because the limited amount of money uh, gives focus and An creativity. incentive to focus, interesting.
2: Yeah. Um, especially mm-hmm. because I feel like in the, the startup world, there's quite a fetishization, if you will, with venture capitalist funds, private equity funds, just like making sure to get those millions in and and grow. But you're taking in this sense maybe a much more conservative approach, if I can call it conservative. Conservative is maybe a dirty a dirty word in your lingo.
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely not conservative. <laughs> I, want, I want to be as progressive as you can be yeah. and as fast growing as you can be. Yeah. But if you can grow a profitable business, then your growth is always bankable. finance financing should be bankable. Yeah. Um. And venture capitalists are often people that think that they should help you with good advice and tell you what to do instead of just being a bank and, and, and lending you some money. There's yeah. so much money in the yeah. world. Don't go looking for money.
3: And you can get a lot achieved without paying for it. Yeah. And that's also really uh, yeah a USP for social enterprises. If you have a clear mission statement that resonates with... Uh, with potential co- uh, collaborators, hey? other organizations or yeah. employees or students who want to help out. Uh, yeah, you have to... Uh, I've had many, many situations where I haven't been charged the full uh, the Yeah, could you people. give us an example
2: yeah. of where, where it's really helped you being a social enterprise because other people felt you were more sympathetic or... Yeah,
3: many, many. Uh, first of all, the, the, the product itself has been developed by students. Uh, of course, it takes a little bit longer because they uh, have less less experience. But if you give them the trust and uh, and a bit of the money from the monetary award of the VI, it will get you uh, very far. Another example is that we had to, uh, for regulation purpose, we had to uh, do the toxicology tests, and I yeah I didn't have a lot of money, so I was asking for help at toxicologists. I found one at TNO, and he was in his uh, later days and he also wanted to help companies making an impact and wanted to see envy succeed and he did it in his spare time and never uh, charged charges for that so uh, and you see organizations uh, law firms who do pro bono work uh, want to collaborate with social enterprises so there are many opportunities to uh yeah to, to move on without paying for it
2: yeah okay so three lessons really um good plans are bankable um, scarce money can actually be conducive to your aims because it will make you think much harder and much more critically about how you spend it. Yep. And thirdly if you have a good social mission you can actually get a lot of things for free. Mm. The only question unanswered I think that I asked earlier is because um, we, we're talking a lot about the funding right now in the early stages of the startup or scale up saying mm. okay you should uh, value your autonomy if you have some sort of social mission. Yep. Um, but Is it possible to become one of the biggest multinationals in the world that way if you cannot become publicly traded? Because then again, you run into the same issues unless the the shareholders are much more um, socially engaged as well. You run into the same issues that we are describing for venture capitalist funds or aren't we?
0: Yeah, I, I, I do believe that hocus pocus, keep your focus. That is the most important lesson <laughs> that, uh, uh, and that you can learn from anybody. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, it is absolutely possible to find uh, 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 money sources. And it can be fancy capitalists uh, uh, that, that can also be that you sell off part of the company to uh, uh, a private person. or uh, to There the, are the heaps and heaps of possibilities. Um, but... As you are a business and and you have some some substance, uh, then you're more in charge than uh, when you're a uh, a, a man with a plan and that needs money is uh, 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 relatively weak in his negotiation power. And if you are a business, uh, uh, Tony's now does uh, uh, 88 million in uh, revenue, and we uh, last year we have um, uh, uh, two investors uh, uh, to share a little bit of the uh, the burden with. The company gets bigger, um, and um, yeah, you, you want to grow internationally. Uh, 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 let's, you need some funds. Let's make sure that we get our uh, solvency a little bit uh, better. Yeah. So the solvency is now uh, 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 fantastic, and all of a sudden Corona hits. And uh, we're really thankful in a, in a comfortable uh, position. Yep. That is something that we have to be uh, really lucky for.
2: You've repaired the roof before it started raining. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I didn't
0: see the rain coming. No, no. okay. Did <laughs> you
2: ever see uh, Tony's become publicly traded?
0: I don't know whether we should be publicly traded, uh, but definitely Tony's will become part of a big food multinational or publicly traded uh, someday. Yeah. Um, it is. It is a company that, that wants to make impact, that wants to play its game on an, uh, a mondial scale. Yeah. Um, so we have to uh, uh, set the next step and say okay. that we have to do something in uh, the ownership.
2: And in that way, you're also putting some trust in the private investors, of course, because if those shareholders don't really care about your social mission and after the acquisition they say Tony shoccoloni wonderful product we can make a lot of profit with it but we don't really care about the social mission Mm -hmm. then that social mission like that's not really aligned with your goals if i heard you speak earlier so where does that trust come from that if you are absorbed or acquired by a larger company Mm -hmm. that uh, your mission will remain intact how is that to what extent can that be guaranteed to you
0: um if it's commercially feasible uh, uh, to keep it intact then it will always remain intact and you can uh, organize it in a legal way so that uh, your uh, um, uh, 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 contracts are uh, written in a way that, that your purpose is always number one um, uh, for Tony, specific uh, at the moment, I do have uh, 51% of the shares. Uh, so, and having 51% of the shares makes uh, a negotiation rather, easy. Uh, rather easy. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. How do you look at that rule? Do you think uh, your company will ever be publicly traded, or that you would be able to share the majority with other investors? Um, and what would that do with the social mission?
3: Uh, I don't think publicly traded but I don't yeah if uh, maybe in the, in the future I will need an, an impact investor uh, yeah I will always invite them on the table yeah uh, at this point it's not necessary. Uh, I try still try to grow organically and with, uh, with with partners but yeah let's see what the future is.
1: and I'm curious to, to what extent actually makes the imp- uh, invi bracelet now an impact?
3: Um, like, I think by itself, by the product, yeah, okay. um, because today um, it already prevented three rapes. Uh, and we, uh, and th- this was happening in, in Congo. Uh, but we also, here in the Netherlands, we uh, of course also sell the bracelet. And there we see that people wearing them actually feel safer. And when you feel safer, you have a more confident appearance. That works as a first line of defense and, uh, uh, and that works preventative in a way. but also gives people more freedom to do the things they're liking, like uh, walking in the forest or uh, traveling or yeah. whatever.
2: So there, there are two mechanisms you're, you're stipulating. One is it can actually prevent horrible cases of rape or... Yeah. Uh, sexual violence from happening mm-hmm. that's maybe the crucial mission but secondly it can also give a sense of security a sense of freedom yep. that will allow people to do things that they can normally not do yep. do you maybe think there's a third component as well being that it spreads awareness about sexual violence because I, I, I would reckon that the people buying such a bracelet yep. when asked about it would also come up with a narrative of, of, of your company and yeah, by doing so um, raising attention for the horrible stats that you named earlier, yeah, do you yeah. think that that's one of your key missions as well?
3: Yeah, like like uh, what I said in the beginning is that uh, to really change something, we have to change mindsets and the norms and the values. And that uh, I, I, as a company, I try to take uh, responsibility in the way how we uh, how we market our product and what kind of information we are sharing. And so we don't only sell uh, an Envy bracelet, not not only a bracelet, it's a booklet with with all kinds of information is uh, with it. And uh, you receive emails about prevention, but also where you can ask for help if ever something bad happens. But also we use uh, part of our profits for uh, awareness campaigning, uh, like we launched recently. So in various ways, you can do things that, uh, yeah, that hopefully... Uh, yeah, make the world less violently or sexually violently. Yep. And um, another thing is that what we uh, we have a product, but um, in Congo we combine the product with awareness and knowledge programs. And there we work with an NGO that, uh, who do, does a community program on sexual violence. And yeah, you try to. To look further than only the products. It's
2: very multi dimensional. Exactly. Okay, yeah. I think we're moving to the final few questions because um, so far we've seen you, we've very much focused on you and your company, uh, not so much on the responses of the environment. Because if you are like the two of you, a disruptor, a change maker, uh, sometimes um, yeah, the annoying fly keeping uh, the larger corpus awake at night. Have you ever uh, felt like there's resistance, like there's conservatism pushing you back? Or do you feel that people are generally very positively responses to your missions?
3: Yeah, uh, some people, uh, when I tell about the Bracelet and what it does and what our mission is, then I get a response, well... Uh, then you make other people responsible for their safety. Well, it is the assaulter who shouldn't assault. So victim you're blam- blaming. Exactly, victim well. blaming. That's and that's that could be a pitfall if we uh, wouldn't communicate uh, the, it the right way. Yep. But still, I believe, yeah, s- sexual violence is happening. Uh, you can. It's throw a given. Yeah, as you know, there are all awareness campaigns for for 30, 50, 40 years, uh, and it's still happening. So we also need to work on prevention with these kind of tools. And uh, I think a holistic approach is important in that that matter.
2: Again, multidimensionality. What about you, Henk-Jan? Have you ever felt resistance from the big corporates or from other people trying to preserve the status quo?
0: No, but if if you take a look and uh, you say, well, everybody uh, uh, wants to make the world a nicer place, then everybody is a fan of uh, a bracelet. And everybody is a fan of slavery chocolate. The only argument that you get from the big ch- chocolate is, yeah, but we already do it for 150 years, and uh, it's so difficult, and it's impossible, and how can we change the, um, uh, the business that we're in? And all of that is fine. Uh, and we started off as this little greenpeace boat bumping into the big chocolate and saying, well, you have to change, and you have to take your responsibility. But that, that, that's not how it works. If we start off on an on a empty piece of paper, then we have to be this guiding boat that that, that helps them shift course and uh, it is definitely posto- possible to alter course of a huge company look at yep. what paul polman did at uh, at unilever yep. uh, recently look at what philips did um, over uh, 10 years it's a completely different company yeah but so why
2: I, why are you needed in order to invoke that response and kickstart that process what 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 is withholding holding large corporates right now to pursue the same norm independently of you pushing them to do so
0: well Most people think uh, that if you do the right thing, that it's impossible to earn money. And I want to prove that if you do the right thing, then you can grow uh, faster and earn more money than if you do uh, uh, business in the way that they used to to do it. And if we keep the world at, at this inequality, Um, then people will start moving and people will come to us. Uh, If you realize, 50 people have exactly the same amount and the the 50% poorest people of the world. Um, The inequality is absolutely going to be a huge theme. And uh, um, if we don't make inequality a theme, uh, then it will absolutely go after us. Yeah. So we have to do something. And we can. It's fun. Make the world a nicer place. Do so and start tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I think that's really great. But what I'm wondering is actually, I understand that you want to make an impact and okay, you're doing that by paying a better salary to the cacao farmers. Yeah. And you want to get all the other corporates, chocolate uh, corporates on board or going with you in that that flow. Yeah. But you still have to market your product. And if you don't get the other corporates on board, how do you still, okay, you have like a really good storytelling to convince people for buying Tony's But still, I can imagine there's kind of a dilemma between making that impact, but still being able to sell your product on the market and keeping it marketable.
0: Yeah, but uh, that is if you have the feeling that if I keep my secrets to myself, then I become a better company. Um, I don't believe that. I think that, that if you want to really uh, innovate, then you have to play open source. And if you play open source, then sometimes you help somebody else and sometimes somebody else helps you. Um, and we call it Tony's open chain. Um, uh, and Delicata already joined in. Aldi joins in. Um, uh, and we're talking to a lot of big companies to actually join in with us. And because only together you can make change. And there are two ways to, to, to change chocolate to become... 100% market share, or to, uh, to help other companies uh, take their responsibility seriously and care for the farmers as well. And it's not a USP that we want to compete on. Uh, this is definitely something that we fundamentally believe in, but w- the USP that we uh, uh, compete on is tasting uh, chocolate, social mission, uh, a caring company, the Willy Wonka f- or the Henki Honka uh, uh, <laughs> style, how we look. Um, th- that is a little bit uh, 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 of the, and th- there are more USPs where you can compete on. And come on bring bring on the competition because we want to win from each and every everybody uh, who is committed uh, to uh, to make the world a nicer place.
2: yeah I think it's incredibly interesting that you're trying to encourage your competitors to do the same thing you're doing even though it is your uh, USB but i I think I follow and understand the philosophy and very much uh, and I'm in support of it um, I thank, think thank lastly, you. lastly <laughs> I'm just wondering lastly I'm just wondering we talked a lot about corporates. we also talked a bit about um, entrepreneurs generally wanting to pull something towards them that, that they can do in order to make the world a better place. Do you have a strong opinion of entrepreneurs who don't do that? Who just think, you know, it's, I'm creating jobs that's uh, social impact enough for me and uh, I'll uh, put my money in Monaco somewhere or Luxembourg and I'll uh, what do you think of those? Well,
0: if you if you're an entrepreneur and you create jobs, then you make impact. Uh, yep. uh, so every entrepreneur makes impact, um, and as long as you don't harm the planet and uh, are good for other people, then I wish you an awful lot of luck in uh, Monaco. Um, uh, but doesn't
2: doesn't tax evasion uh, or tax avoidance rather is that not part? You just talked about rich people, mm. um, f- ten people having as much as as, as half of the of the 50, world. Yeah. yeah, fifty. Sorry, yeah. isn't tax avoidance part of that problem
0: um, I think it's not my lifestyle and yeah. if if you want me to judge other people yeah <laughs> I, I, I don't really like that no. um, um, isn't that not sometimes
2: needed to judge other people? Yeah, sometimes to, to no, make uh, a change. Insta-
0: yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, instead of uh, uh, telling what other people are doing wrong, I want to show what we do right.
3: What you do right. Okay.
1: Yeah. Giving
2: a so good example. The, yeah. Giving the good example. Yeah. I think that's an excellent uh, so point. So you pay the taxes? <laughs> I, 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 I definitely pay an awful lot of taxes, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> not enough. Uh, yeah. I
0: definitely want to grow. Yeah, great. I think yeah.
2: that's uh, that's a good way to end. Thank you very much, both of you. And uh, Anik, of course, uh, thank you very much. I think that was a very uh, interesting episode.
1: Did you get inspired by this podcast and are you excited to participate in the Philips Innovation Award? Take a look at fiat.nl how we can kickstart your idea or startup.